Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. And pretty much every week I say it's a joy to be together, but I, I mean, I truly mean that. I, I, I look forward to Sunday mornings, not because it's my job, but because I love the body of Christ. I love family. I love getting to see your faces, and, and we want to welcome those online. We want to we feel like we're connected with those online as well, and so it's it's a blessing to be part of the body of Christ. And so thank you for taking the time to be together. We're going to be closing out our Thanksgiving series, our series that we've been saying, thank you goes a long way. And I appreciate Warren sharing last week and, and the, the idea of grumbling and, and the things that we kind of get distracted by in this world and today, we're going to be closing out this series, and, and for many, Christmas can't get here soon enough. And I think uh, a lot more people right now are putting up decorations earlier this year than they ever have in the past. And so here this morning is a little Christmas teaser for you. If, the, if you're in that category this morning, we're going to do a little, little Christmas sermon teaser for you this morning as we close out our thankfulness series, and as we look... As we get closer to Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, I want to challenge us to keep in mind the need to thank God for his indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege it is to come together into your house, to have the freedom to worship you currently in a country that allows for that and and God, we continue to praise your name for your word that convicts us and challenges us and encourages us and comforts us and brings clarity to decisions in life. And I just thank you that we can spend time not only just here this morning in your word, but each and every day of our lives, that you want to speak to us, you want to be in relationship with us. And so God, this morning, we are thanking you for the tremendous, indescribable gift of your son, Jesus. May that be something that we carry with us as we move forward into the Christmas season as we say thank you here around Thanksgiving. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you'll turn over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. It begins with something that you oftentimes hear during the time of offering. And I just want to read it so that we're reading it in context as we get to verse 15 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gift to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions 
of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And if you look at this verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 9 and other versions, King James says, thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. The message paraphrase says, thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. New Living Translation, thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. The English Standard Version, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Contemporary English Version, thank God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. And so I'm wondering this morning as we kind of come to a time of Thanksgiving but look towards Christmas, what was one of your best Christmas presents ever? And as I kind of thought about that in my, my, my own mind, I thought about the year, it was early on in our marriage, my wife gave me a gift that was about, wrapped up about the size of a DVD case. And as I opened it up, it wasn't a DVD, but it was a picture frame with a picture in it. And it was a picture of my wife holding a, a red, large body Takamini guitar that I'd been wanting for quite some time. And I was like... Oh, wow. That, and, but we weren't, you know, we were kind of like trying to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. So I hadn't bought it. And I'm thinking, man, the best that we can do this year for Christmas is just a picture of my wife holding this Takamini guitar. You know, it wasn't really clicking in my brain until then she went to the back room and came out with a guitar case with this guitar in it. And I was so appreciative. It was an awesome gift and that, that story in my mind of the guitar reminds me of this story of this uncle who gave the guitar to his nephew for Christmas. And this little boy was not really too impressed with this gift. And yet the next time he saw him after the new year, he was full of enthusiasm. Thanks for the electric guitar you gave me for Christmas. It's the best present I've ever gotten. That's, that's great, said the uncle. Uh, what made the difference? Did you learn how to play the guitar? Well, no, oh, oh no. I, I don't play it, and, and that's what's the great part about it, replied the boy. The uncle was puzzled. What, what do you mean, that's why it's so great? What, what do you mean? The boy answered, well, my mom gives me a dollar a week not to play it during the day, and my dad gives me a dollar a week to not play it at night. It's the best gift ever. See, we, we, all, we don't always fully appreciate the gifts that we have been given to us over the years. In fact, I remember one year, come to find out, women don't really enjoy receiving dish towels at Christmas time. Who would have thought? I thought it was a perfect gift. I gave it to my wife one year. She didn't really seem to appreciate it all that much to receive a dish towel at Christmas. Paul, he does a great job of being thankful for a gift that's beyond our human vocabulary. 
As again, we read in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. If you look through 2 Corinthians chapter 9, part of that that I read, the Apostle Paul has been you know, writing about human gifts, about the church there in Corinth taking up an offering in order to be a blessing to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he commends them for their eagerness to to help and reminds them that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will also reap generously. But then if you notice, he shifts his attention from human gifts to God's gift of sending his son Jesus to the earth. And he cannot find the words to describe that. And so he simply says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And even though it's difficult for us to even begin to describe the gift of his son that God gave, there are things about Jesus that we need to make sure that we're thankful for this morning. And so if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write that that we can be thankful that God's gift was promised. It was a promise to us. If you look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the prophet Isaiah speaks about the coming Messiah. He says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. See, Jesus was promised. And as I thought about this idea of, of something being promised, there's a story of, of a stormy night in America around 1890. And a couple entered the lobby of a hotel, and the manager was there at the front desk, and the couple was looking for a room, and, and the manager sadly had to tell them that they, didn't, they, were full, they were fully booked. In fact, all the hotels there were booked. But he, he knew he couldn't just let this nice couple be sent out into the rain that night. And so he said, if you guys don't mind, you're more than welcome to stay in my room. And they were kind of hesitant to begin with. But the manager insisted, and so they stayed the night there. And the next morning, the man came to pay his bill. And he said to the manager, he said, you're the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States. And someday, I'll build you one. Well, the manager smiled politely, and he was used to compliments and kind words, but he knew that they were usually just only words. And yet a few years later, the manager received a letter from that couple. And in that, they recalled that stormy night and, and how the manager was so kind to them. And they asked the manager to come to New York, and they enclosed in the letter a, a round-trip ticket. And so the manager accepted the couple's invitation and headed for New York. And soon after he arrived in New York, his host took him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 34th Street. They both stood opposite a magnificent new building. That, exclaimed the man, is the hotel I have built for you to manage. That man was William Waldorf Astor, 
And the hotel was the original Waldorf Astoria. The, manager name, the manager's name was George C. Bolt. And he became the first manager. As he kept his promise. And Christmas is a reminder that God keeps his promises. God is faithful. He keeps his word. And according to people who have counted them, I am not one of those people, but they say that there's 7,487 promises from God to man in the Bible. And none of those promises come with the words, promises are meant to be broken. None of them. You see, God keeps his promises all the way back to Genesis. God made a promise to the devil after the fall in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And then throughout the Old Testament, God gave more and more information, promise after promise, from start to finish. Jesus is all over this book. He's there symbolically in types and in shadows. And I don't want us to forget this morning that God promised again and again and again for the Messiah to come, for Jesus to come. And you think about an x-ray and, and how an MRI works and how the human body, when, when you have an x-ray, you can see inside and see the bones and the organs. And if you look deeper and deeper and deeper into God's word, you're going to find from start to finish, Jesus. Jesus is all over scripture. He was promised and God always keeps his promises. And not only can we be thankful that Jesus was promised, <clears throat> but we can also be thankful that Jesus is a priceless gift. He's priceless. And as, I, as a kid, I struggled with that phrase, priceless. I thought, why would something be priceless that people wanted? Like, if it didn't have a price, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, it must not be worth anything if it was priceless. It, it was it was junk you know what even wanted to put a price on it type of thing but as the older I got and the understanding of the fact that the item there's no monetary value that you could put on this item and so then it was considered priceless it, it, it was it had a, a tremendous amount of value so much value that no dollar amount could be put on that and that's exactly what Jesus is in our lives He's priceless. He's a priceless gift. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And if you were to look at a baby announcement in the newspaper, there aren't too many baby announcements that come with what that baby is going to be someday. Why? Well, as humans, we can't predict. We, we don't know what that baby, who that baby might become someday. But in Isaiah 9, 6, we have a different sort of birth announcement. 
the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. And in this birth announcement, the announcement not only predicts what kind of person this baby will be, but it does so 700 years before the actual birth took place. Most, if not all of us as, at Christmas, we want to try to keep our gifts secret, don't we? We, we want to make sure that nobody finds out until they open the present what the present is. In fact, there's times where people might, you know, wrap small gifts in larger boxes to disguise what the gift might be. Or they might wrap it in a shape of a box that's different than the shape that might give it away. Or some folks hide their gifts in a closet that they can lock so nobody can get in there. Or maybe they give a, a gift to somebody else to hold on to so that nobody finds out what that gift is. But that's not what God did. God did the very opposite of that. He wanted the whole world to know not only that he was giving a gift, but also what or rather who the gift would be. Who the gift would be. God wanted everyone to know. And long ago, there's a story of a ruler in Persia. He was a wise and good king. And he loved his people. And he wanted to know how they lived. He wanted to know about their hardships. And often he dressed in the clothes of a working man or a beggar. And then he would go out into the homes of the poor. And no one whom he visited thought that he was their ruler. One time he visited a, a very poor man who lived in a cellar. And he ate the coarse food the poor man ate. And he spoke cheerfully, ki cheerful, kind words to him. And then he left. And later he visited the poor man again and disclosed his identity by saying, I am your king. And the king thought that the man would surely ask for some gift or favor, but he didn't. Instead he said, you left your palace and your glory to visit me in this dark, dreary place. You ate the coarse food I ate. You brought gladness to my heart. To others, you have given your rich gifts. To me, you have given yourself. You see, the gift of Jesus is priceless. Because God gave his very best for us. And he did not just send a human messenger or an angel. But he gave the most precious thing he had. He gave of himself. And as you look at this Isaiah passage, the prophet's very clear when he says, To you a child is born as a baby, flesh and blood. And, and but then he goes on and speaks about how God gave a son. A son was given. He gave his unique, one-of-a-kind, only son, Jesus who left the perfection of heaven to come down and dwell among us. To go to the cross for us. And Matthew 1.21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save us, his people, 
from our sins. You see, the gift that God gave is priceless because God gave a gift that not only has an earthly value, but has an eternal value. It's something that's going to impact us for eternity, and it requires for us to change our perspective. A few days before Christmas, two men in Florida decided to go sailing, and while their wives went Christmas shopping. Well, while they were out sailing, a terrible storm came up, and they had great difficulty keeping the boat under control. And as they maneuvered their way back to land, the boat got grounded on a sandbar. And they had to jump overboard and push with all their might to try to get the boat into deeper water. And the wind was blowing terribly, and the waves, they're crashing down on them, and they were getting completely soaked and they're sinking down into the sandbar. And while all of this was going on, one of the guys looked at his buddy and says, You know what? This sure beats Christmas shopping. <laughs> See, they had a different perspective. Jesus is a priceless gift because he changes our viewpoint from that which is temporary here on this earth, to that which will be eternal when we spend it with him in heaven. See, John 10, 10b says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus didn't come to earth so that we could have one more holiday. That's not why he came. He came so that we can have abundant and eternal life. It was through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we can have that abundant, eternal life. And sometimes I, I think about God's plan and I wonder, why? why? Why did he send his one and only son to die for me, a sinner? It, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. It, his plan in my human brain, I just can't, I have a hard time comprehending it. But it's kind of like, a shipwrecked man who was once washed ashore on an uninhabited island. And in the days that followed, his pain, he painstakingly built a hut using the few things that he had salvaged from the wreck and from whatever he could find on the island. And that little hut was the only protection he had from the harsh elements and the only place he could safeguard his meager possessions. And upon returning one evening from a lengthy search for food, he was terrified to find the hut engulfed in flames. The loss devastated him, and he spent the night hopeless, sleeping on the sand. He awoke early the next morning and, to his surprise, saw a ship anchored off the island. A crew member stepped ashore and told him, We saw your smoke signal and came to your rescue. See, things aren't always as they seem. What seemed to be destruction turned out to be deliverance. And God's Son, who seemed to be destroyed on the cross, brought to us salvation and deliverance. What looked like death brought salvation our salvation, God's rescue plan was secured. And it wasn't secured through silver and gold. 
but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's priceless. So this morning, the gift of Jesus, it was promised. He is priceless. And the third thing I want us to be thankful for when it comes to the gift of Jesus is that it's a personal gift. It's for each and every one of us. And John 3.16 is a familiar verse that many of us have memorized over the years. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And although we, we like seeing our loved ones open up the gifts that we give them at Christmas time, we enjoy seeing the joy on their faces, I want us to be a little bit honest with ourselves this morning. Some of the best gifts, I believe, if we're to be honest with each other, are the ones that have our names written on the labels. And if you look at John 3.16, it has your name all over that label. In fact, I, I want us to, in just a moment, either looking in these verses on John 3.16 or uh, out of your memory or on the screens, it's, it's going to say, for God so loved, and in the place of world, I want you to put, put your name in there. And so I want us to read that out loud, and, and so you're going to say your name, that he gave his one and only son, that if you put your name, believes in him, and again, your name shall not perish, but have eternal life. So read with me, plugging your name into those places. For God so loved Charles that he gave his one and only son, that if Charles believes in him, Charles shall not perish, but have eternal life. Those words are not meaningless. They're not just some words back written 2,000 years ago. They're words that make a difference. You see, we live in a culture where there's a lot of meaningless things in our world, a lot of meaningless words. In fact, I, I looked up some meaningless words on some products, product labels in the UK. It was found on a children's cough medicine container this warning. Do not drive a car or operate machinery after taking this medication on a children's cough medicine. Boots hair dryer, it says on that, do not use while sleeping. <laughs> Useful information, I think. Marks and Spencer's bread pudding, product will be hot after heating. Christmas lights from B&Q contain this helpful information for indoor and outdoor use only. <laughs> and Sainsbury's Peanuts, warning, product contains nuts. Yep. And, and those words might appear to be pointless, not too relevant, very meaningless. But the words that we find in John chapter 3, verse 16 are possibly some of the most meaningful, powerful words ever written. Because they're words that can change your life here on this earth and can change your life for eternity. And it's not just for the elite, just for those who have been chosen, but it's for everyone who's willing to put their faith and trust in God. If you were to look at Rembrandt's painting of the three crosses, your attention might be drawn to first the center cross on which Jesus died. 
And then as you look at the crowd gathered around the foot of that cross, you'd note the various facial expressions and actions of the people involved in the awful crime of crucifying the Son of God. And finally, you might, your, your eyes might drift to the edge of the painting and catch sight of another figure almost hidden in the shadows. Art critics say this is a representation of Rembrandt himself. For he recognized that by his sins, he helped nail Jesus to the cross. And sooner or later, Jesus gets real personal with us. See, each one of us has to make a choice. Are we going to follow him or are we going to reject him? Are we going to live for the God of the universe or are we going to live for ourselves? Sometimes we, we miss out. Kind of like the time where there was an organist at the St. Paul's Cathedral in London who caught sight of Felix Mendelssohn, a German composer from 1809 to 1847 in the congregation. And so he sent the great composer a note inviting him to play the organ after the service. And Mendelssohn agreed, and, and the congregation, already shuffling out of the pews to go home, suddenly stopped and sat down again to listen as they were captivated. And yet suddenly, in the middle of a glorious crescendo, the music died away, and the organ went silent. See, the organ blower had gone home for lunch. What could have been one of the great highlights of his life, he threw away for something to eat. And how many of us do that with God? Do we consider other things more important? Do we, as verse 2 of the hymn, have you any room for Jesus, where it says, room for pleasure, room for business, but for Christ the crucified? not a place that he can enter in the heart for which he died? Or can we honestly say that Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 is one of our life verses? It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Does our thankfulness for that sacrifice cause us to live for him? The last line of the song, The Wondrous Cross, says, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So as the praise team comes this morning, the big question is, are you truly thankful for the indescribable gift of Jesus in your life? And if you are, have you received that gift through belief and repentance and confession 
in baptism. You see, it's a gift that's been promised. It's a gift that is priceless. And it's a gift that's personal. Each one of us has to decide, are we going to accept this gift? Or is it just going to remain under the tree? If you're truly thankful for the gift of Jesus, but have never taken the time to receive him into your heart, into your life, I pray that today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. A willingness on your part to surrender your life over to him and to receive his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Will you stand as we sing our song?